great to see each of you here, and we're especially glad to have some visitors with us today. We like visitors. We like them so much, when we have a meal, we let them go first in line. So anyway, it's uh, good to have them friends from Bonnie, so you know you need to thank uh, and keep them in your prayers up with Corey on a regular basis. So anyway, um, we love Corey here, that's for sure. But uh, it is so great to be, it seems like I've been gone a lot, you know. Gone last week, and then I was here, but JC was speaking, and then I was here and preached that Sunday. Then I was gone holding a gospel meeting, and so man, no telling when you're going to get out here today once I get to turn it on, but it is good to be with you, and the Lord watched over us, so we traveled, we had a good trip, worshiped with a couple of good congregations down, one of them the Weber Road Congregation in Corpus, another one just north and west of there, the Odom Congregation in Odom, Texas. Um... Just uh, heard some good lessons and good sermons and got to have some fellowship with some good brethren and uh, God is good. And just so you know, here the price pays high prices for gasoline, okay? Just so you know that. So don't feel like you're all on it. You're the lone, lone McQuaid, you know. But anyway, the Lord rescues us. You know, I think about that when we finally get down to that in verse 11. The Lord rescued me. I thought about what do I want to... Um, title this sermon, because really the theme of these three verses, I just didn't want to title it that, persecuted, I don't like that word, persecuted, but it's real, it's real and we deal with it on this earth, and so we're going to look a little bit, and I want to point out a few things uh, in this passage of scripture, uh, here in 2 Timothy 3, in verse 10, and we don't have time to break the whole thing down, I thought I got to move along in this. He said, now you followed, and he mentioned you followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my perseverance, persecutions, and suffering. You know, and he mentions, you guys know, Timothy, you know what happened to me even in these cities, but you followed me. You know, one of the great things about when you do get to travel places and stuff, of course, I know you, brethren. You know, this is my family. This is my local congregation where I attend. I know you. But it's also very uh, enlightening and encouraging when you show up somewhere else and find people who continue to follow the Word of God. And the most encouraging thing you can do to me is just obey God. And the most encouraging thing I can do to you is obey God. There's nothing you can do that is going to further the progress of the gospel than obedience. Okay, and the lack of it is the biggest, the lack of obedience is the biggest deterrent there ever was. But it's a challenge to obey. You know the reason uh, obedience is a challenge? We don't like to be told what to do. And if you're obeying, someone else is giving instruction. Now, I do know that God knows what's better for Kendall much better than God, than Kendall knows what's good for Kendall. And so I trust that. But I want to look at a few things here. And so if you would, in 2 Timothy, we're going to turn to a few passages. We'll see how far I get. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, verses uh, 1 and 2. If you look at the end of verse 2, he says, Entrust these, these teachings to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He said, so not only, Timothy, do you follow these things I've given to you, but we need to entrust these to other faithful men what good does it do to give the gospel to unfaithful people? It's a waste of time. Did you hear me? 
It's a waste of time. So if you want the gospel to be furthered, you've got to trust it to people who are trustworthy, who are faithful. I mean, you don't go leaving uh, a little baby with someone who, you know, has watched a couple other kids that didn't make it through the night. I'm not taking it to them. They're not watching my kids. Then I'm keeping an eye on them. You know, you think about that. We have to understand he has, we have to entrust it to faithful men who will be able to um, teach others also. And then I think about chapter 4. I don't want to get into it too much because we'll get into it going down the road. Verse 2, it's just plain and simple. Preach the word. Now, I know it goes on and says, be ready in season, down season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience. Struggle. But preach the word. So I know, we even talked about that a little in, with the boys back there this morning. And we, you know, back in that class, do you know we're studying God's word? And we talked about Ben out here teaching this class, and I was sure Ben was teaching God's word. Now, we were teaching from two different places in God's word. We're going to teach that message. And we come, and I'm a big guy. I don't, I don't make a big deal out of it, but I don't like the term Sunday school. Now, I, I do know the history of Sunday school, and I can give it to you sometime. I don't have time but I like the term Bible class. And I tell you what, when you went to, when I was in school, when you went to math class, do you know what subject they studied in math class? I'll be jiggers, they studied math. Well, if I'm coming to a Bible class, I don't want to hear a psychology class. I want to hear the Bible. I want to see what God's Word says. Now, does the Bible teach a lot about psychology? Oh, I can go to a lot of passages to substantiate God's view of being psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally correct. So that can be dealt with straight from the Bible. But I'm coming to a Bible class. I want to hear, I want to hear God's Word. And when a guy gets up here and preaches, I don't want to hear what I think. or You know, you, we might think it's fun, but that's not what we're here for right now. I could give you a report of the trip I just did and all the things we did, but that's not what we're here for. You came here, you want to hear God's Word. So we've got to preach the Word. We've got to be ready to preach that Word. And then as you look on, just in Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 7 and 8, I like that he gets, he fought, finished, kept, and, and what's in the future. So he says, I fought the good fight, I've finished the course, I've kept the faith. Sounds like this guy's getting close to the end of his life, doesn't it? He is. And he said, I proved who I was. You know, I guess to me, I'm far from being a young man anymore. But when you've preached the gospel for 41 years, you think the people that know you, you've proved who you are. It isn't like when I first started preaching or first arrived at a place and people don't know me. Now I know they don't know who I am, so I'm going to have to prove who I am. But I would like to believe if someone said totally contrary to anything that I've ever been, there's no way. That's not who he is. Well, Paul says, I fought. I finished and I kept. Brethren, we all need to be able to say that. And if we do say that, we're able to say the next, in the future. How far, I don't know. In the future, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. How important that is. So I think about that when the idea of you followed. Also think about as Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. He just says this plain. Follow me as I follow Christ. He doesn't want followers of Paul. He wants followers of Christ. So we need to encourage people to follow us as we follow Christ. Don't follow me if I'm going contrary to God's word. Straighten me out. But 
If I'm practicing what God's word is and you follow that example, then you'll be practicing what God's word is. Oh, I wish I had time to preach that sermon this morning. But I think about how important it is. And I, I think about some others like, and we'll get to another one later in First uh, Peter 2 and verse 21, but I'm going to keep it later, that Jesus suffered to leave us an example that we might follow in his steps. Jesus came to this earth. Now let me tell you what. When I get to heaven, God says, guys, I need a volunteer to go leave heaven and go back down and do something over here. Uh, I said, send Bernie. Okay. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Jesus was there. And he left that and made himself vulnerable by taking the Jesus could have sinned. Hebrews 4 and verse 15 says he was tempted in all ways as we are. He's different than us because he did not sin. But he could have or that would not be tempting. I even look at that. To me personally... That is even way bigger than the cross. He put himself at risk to rescue me. Put himself at risk. to res He put himself in danger so that I might be rescued. Now what happens with the idea of rescuing as we get on into it is half the time we don't think we need rescue. I can do it myself. I'm kind of one of them people. Can you believe that? I can do it. I can do it. <clears throat> well, I'll tell you one thing I know. <clears throat> Jesus said, without me, Kendall, he didn't say Kendall, but I put it in there. Without me, you can do nothing. You know, just to mention one thing, I thought about it. Tammy and I talked about it a little bit. We're sitting out in the blind in South Texas, and it was hot that day. It was last Tuesday. It was 101 degrees. It was hot. And the clouds moved in just before we went out there. That was a plus. And then I could see, when we first got in, Tim says, I see lightning down there. Well, it was south of us. I said, that'll be good. And that main part of it did go that way. But part of the storm went right over the top of us. And we're on the highest piece of ground there is in a blind. Lightning. <laughs> rolling. Rain. Wind blowing. I said, well, I hope this thing's anchored down. We were in a poly blind. It was enough that the bottom was anchored down, but the top's going. I said, lean that way. But, <clears throat> you know, you're looking at all this. And you're trusting in the Lord, whatever. And people say, you're foolish. Well, we already knew that. But, <clears throat> you know, it's it all passed by and everything. And the guide, he was kind of worried. And he texts me and stuff. And, but as it rolls by, one of the most beautiful rainbows, a double rainbow you ever saw. Tammy's got a good picture on her phone if you want to see it. A double rainbow over to the east. God is good. That isn't the end of it. To the west, the clouds were there and the sun was there and the sun... I'm telling you, God's painting both sides of this thing to remind me he's in control. And without him, I can't do a thing. God is good. He sent his only son to this earth, and he held back because he wanted to rescue his son, but he held back and let his son go through all that to rescue. Now, you think about how big that is. So when we look at this, and he says, all these things happened in my life, but God rescued me. I want you to think about that idea of rescue. I think it's so important, the idea of being rescued by God, rescued by the Lord. If you jump on over uh, to verse 18 of 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 18. Listen to this. He said, 
The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. The Lord will. I can count on him. He, he said he will, and the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed, no matter what they do. Now, you do realize, and we'll hit on some of this a little bit if we get a chance, um, but in Galatians chapter 1, Paul defends his apostleship. He tells what guy he was before he was a Christian. And he did everything he could to destroy the church. And now he's being persecuted, and he believes he deserves everything that's happening to him because of what he did. But I want you to think about that. So he's the guy that held the coat while they stoned Stephen to death. Why didn't God rescue Stephen? He did. God did rescue Stephen. Not from the physical calamity of dying by stoning, he rescued him, and he is comforted right now. See, we always think, and, and don't get me wrong, it's right to pray and ask for comfort and help and strength in spiritual distress, but that won't always happen. I mean, there's too many examples. That doesn't always happen. We've got to, But he will rescue us. We have to remember he's going to rescue us. Look at this a little bit because we've got to remember who has the capability doing the rescuing. Uh, over in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I'm going to hit a few of these real quick. 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, that's what I'm waiting for, his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, in case you didn't know who it was. Okay, this verse is almost humorous as much as I want to nail that down. Who rescues us from the wrath to come? You know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting for the guy who gets me out of what I deserve. I deserve every terrible thing that the devil would do or that God would allow to happen to me. But because of salvation in Christ Jesus, I get to re receive the benefits of his spotless and sinless life. How great is that? You know, Romans 6 and verse 3, what's the wages of sin? I tell you what, you all deserve to die. And sin separation, and he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about hell. I deserve to go to hell. Wow, that's even tough to swallow when you say it, isn't it? But he's rescuing me. He rescues me from this. I think about how important that is. Look at another one. This, I think this is an important passage because... Sometimes people, I, I, I always think it's, I, I try not to laugh at people when they say, but the Lord just doesn't really understand what I'm dealing with. Is that right? The Lord doesn't understand, huh? I think you don't understand much to make that statement. But look here in 2 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter 2 and verse 9, listen to this. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the ungodly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment, excuse me, to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment till the day of the Lord. Does the Lord know how to rescue us that are godly? We'll get to that godly statement again in verse 12 when we get there. If we're godly, he'll rescue us. What if we're unrighteous and ungodly? He's not going to rescue you. He's going to keep you for the day of punishment. I want to be godly, 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 I want to be godly. I got to work to be godly. 
I also think, and we don't have time to turn to them all, I'm going to turn to one here in a minute. You can go ahead and get turned over. I'm going to be over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll give you the verses in a moment, but you can get a head start on it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But I want to mention one from 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. Allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able. So you have never been tempted where you couldn't have said no. But he says he always supplies, always supplies a way of escape. Now let's say a fire breaks out in this building. And there's a way of escape there, and there's a way of escape there, and there's a way of escape there. <clears throat> and I said, well, I'm kind of off in the distance related to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so I'm going to see how long I can stay in here. I'm going to see how long I can tough it up. God will take care of me. And I burned to death in this building. Whose fault was that? My stupidity is the re There's a way of escape, and you're too foolish to take it. I like to tell this story, and some of you heard it before, and I just think it hits the nail on the head about the guy, and there's a flood coming, and he's in his house, and the flood gets into the first floor, and he's on the second floor window, and a boat comes by and says, get in the boat. No, I've been praying the Lord will save me. And it's coming up in the second floor, so he's on the edge of his roof, and the boat comes back, you got to get in. We'll save you. He said, no, I've been praying the Lord will save me. And finally he's on the very tip top of the roof and a helicopter comes by and says, here, grab hold, we'll get you out. No, the Lord will save me. And he drowns. And he stands before God and says, I prayed you'd save me. Why'd you let me drown? I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What more do you need? See, our problem is we look for things and we're blind to what God has given us. We've got to remember God gave you a head brain to use. And he expects us to act upon what we know and what he's given us. But he knows how to rescue us. Every time we're to... Well, I say this. You guys heard me say this a lot. Every sin I've ever committed, my fault. And I never committed a sin I had to. Every sin I've ever committed, I didn't have to ever commit it. I just made the wrong choice. I don't know how to make it any plainer. And you're in the same boat I am. God always, he's never put you in a situation that you couldn't handle. You might have thought you couldn't handle it, and maybe you didn't handle it, but you could have, and there was a way of it. Sometimes you just got to get out of the situation, right? Remove yourself. Get away from it. Oh, if I'd count, we'd look like Galatians 6. Because you think about that, you've got to go uh, rescue that one who's overtaken in a fault. You've got to restore him. You who are spiritual, but you've got to look lest you too be tempted. So you've got to know who you are, and I can't do that. I'm not able to handle that. That's like sending a guy into um, a bar every day who's got a drinking problem, expect him to stay sober. Don't be ignorant. You don't need to be the guy in there doing that. He's got a weakness. He needs to stay away from that. Wow, how important that is to know who we are. But over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, listen to this. Uh, you know this pretty well about this passage, and Paul has a thorn in the flesh. And it's tough on him, and he wants it removed, and he prays to God. In verse 8, he says, concerning this thorn in the flesh... He said, I implored the Lord, employed the Lord three times that it might leave. He's serious. He wants God, remove this from me. 
And he <coughs> said to me, this is kind of interesting if God's going to answer your prayers directly like he did these inspired men. He says, my grace is sufficient. I've got that underlined. I never did write it out in the column. But if Kendall paraphrased that, when he says my grace is sufficient, it's kind of like he said, tough, deal with it. Please remove it for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of God may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, wow, with insults, I'm like them, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake, and here it is, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. Now, how is that possible? When I'm weak, now I'm strong. Because when I finally realize they can't do it, I say, help. And can you jump higher or can God lift you higher? If I'll just depend on him in everything, I would be so much better off. If I would just learn to depend upon him. Tammy and Ben were talking a little bit after class and talking a little bit about Moses and you know, the time when he's told to speak to the rock and he does what he did before he strikes the rock. And the whole problem isn't that he struck the rock. The problem is you better make sure you give God the glory. You go disrespecting God and you're in a tough spot. You better make sure you give God all the glory. Yeah, this, this, this. But God, God is the one who makes us able. You know, there's a substantial amount of money in them baskets. And we gave that, didn't we? Kind of. We kind of gave it. We kind of gave it back to the one who gave us. Well, I had to do the job. Who, who gave you that job? And who gave you the ability to do that? And who gave you your body? And who gives you oxygen and grab? You guys want me to keep going? I can go to the infinite. I mean, it's just like I don't even exist. There is nothing to exist in without God. God's everything. And the better, he's the one that's going to rescue. You talk about superheroes, everyone else is super zeros compared to God. Do you know God can leap tall buildings in a single bound? Do you know that? Do you know that he's faster than a locomotive? Do you know he's bulletproof? I mean, you think what, it's fly? He can do any of those things. But I'll tell you what God can do that's most impressive. He can save lost souls. And he gave us a Bible that tells us how to do it. And he says, Kendall, I need you to tell other people so they can be saved. And that's what same thing he tells you. We've got to be that one who goes and sows and plants. Jump on back to uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. I've got to hurry. <clears throat> 2 Peter chapter 3. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Indeed, all who, I don't like the numeric standard here. All who desire, I like the King James better. It says all who live godly. So you desire it and you do it. All who live godly, does your Bible say might be persecuted? Is that what it says? Does it say all who live godly could be persecuted? Does it say that? I know what it says. W-I-L-L. -L. Will. If you live godly, let me ask you a question. If we just 
Christmas verse at. Now remember, rescues us. And remember, Paul knows a lot about persecution. He just mentioned it. And we can turn and look at other passages that are substantial when he lists his persecutions, physical. <clears throat> Do all godly people receive persecution? So if I'm not being persecuted, what's the problem? Here it is, plain and simple. A lack of godliness. And you know how I know that? Well, you know, the Bible's going to point that out. Let's get to the passage I told you, I mentioned earlier, but we didn't turn to. Uh, turn with me over to 1 Peter chapter 2. <coughs> 1 Peter 2 and verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose. What purpose? Someone, hey, what do you want? You ever ask somebody that when they call? Hey, what you need? You want to know the purpose of the conversation, right? I'll just call and shoot the breeze. Oh, sorry, I don't have time right now. It could be something serious. Oh, okay. Look. You've been called for this purpose. purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you. That sounds like it's just something about suffering. For since Christ also suffered for you, leave an example that you should follow in his steps. I've hit this verse so many times. But if Christ had to suffer to leave those steps, what are the chances you're going to have to suffer to follow them? Down there in the brush country of Texas, everything's got thorns. As a matter of fact, Cody, oh, Corey, I keep wanting to call him Cody. Corey told me, if you pick up anything here and it doesn't have thorns on it stick you, it's a rattlesnake. Okay? Everything there has got thorns on it. It's going to stick you. So if you walk through that brush, it's going to scrape you up and stuff. So if I walk through the brush and it scrapes me up and Tammy follows me, she's not going to. But if she followed me through there, it's going to scrape her up. And if you followed her, you're going to get scraped up. Got it? So if Jesus had to suffer to leave the example, don't think you're going to be blessed where you don't have to suffer. You're going to have to suffer to follow that example. And Jesus made that point in his very first sermon. Did you know that? At the beginning, there in Matthew 5... The ending of the introduction, which is the Beatitudes. I want you to pay attention to what he says here. Matthew chapter 5, listen to this, verse 10. Blessed, blessed, that's heavenly happening. Blessed are you when people insult me. Oh, I feel so blessed. People insult me. Oh, man. And falsely say all kinds of evil against you because that's no blessing. What are you talking about? He said it is. Well, how? Well, let's read on. Bless you when people, when people insult you and persecute you and say all manners of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Why? For your reward is in, in heaven is great. Where's my reward? It's not here, it's in heaven. And he says, now let me make sure. In the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. How do they treat Jeremiah? In Isaiah, the one says, doesn't anybody believe my report? We can talk about Elisha and Elijah, and we can go through all the prophets. When men of God speak the word of God, most of the world despise him. 
It's always been that way and always will be that way. And so all those heroes, I mentioned, I call them the Asbestos Brothers, you know that. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when you mention them, why do we mention that? Because they manned up no matter what was going to happen. Did they know they weren't going to burn up in there? No, they knew God could save them. But whether God saves or not, we're not bound down. They walked into that fiery furnace and knowing this is it. Now you look at that, those heroes that we think about in the Bible, what made them heroes? Because they stayed faithful to the Lord and allowed the Lord to rescue them, not knowing what the physical outcome would be, but knowing what the spiritual outcome would be. Wow, that's big, isn't it? Hmm. Let's look at just a couple other passages. Turn with me over to Galatians. I believe it's Galatians chapter 1. See if I'm right. Galatians chapter 1. Uh, and verse 13. For you have heard of my former manner of life. Here it is. This is who Paul used to be in Judaism. How I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and try to destroy it. Now, he became a believer. He repented, confessed the name of Jesus, and was baptized for the forgiveness of sin. Became, from everything I can see in the first century, the greatest evangelistic tool God had in the first century. But let's see where he came from. He said, I tell you what, I was doing everything I could to kill the church. He was bringing persecution. He was hauling off men and women into jail. He was even going, he did all he could do in Jerusalem. I got to go to Damascus. That was his mistake. He went down the wrong road and met the wrong guy. And was struck dead and had to pray. And another fellow shows up and says, what are you waiting on? Acts 22, 16, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Call on the name of the Lord. Persecution will be persecuted. Now this next one, you're going to see he's going to talk about how bad his persecution was to the church. Acts 22 and verse 16. He says, and I persecuted the way, that's the church, to death. Hmm. Now I want to ask you a question. So if you live godly, have people ever falsely accused you of something? Yep. Have people lied about you? Yep. Have people hated you because you speak? Yep. Have people misrepresented? Yep. People made fun of you? Yep. That's, that's what happens to godly people. And when we're ungodly, we fit in with everyone. Jesus didn't fit in with everyone. I, I, want you, I want you to think about that. Now, now you need, we think about something to eat. Let's say no one brought food today. We need something to eat. But someone brought um, one hot dog, one hot dog, and one serving of, well, let's make it better than that, one serving of liver and onions and one serving of mashed potatoes. Well, you get to eat it, Dennis. You get it all. But anyway, that's good by me. Uh, but Jesus, he can show up and he can take whatever's there and he can feed everybody with it. One little lunch meal for one kid and feed thousands. He can take 
When he was here on this earth, he could have taken Kim's ankles, bam, bam, fixed right now and every other problem she has. Charlene, don't worry about it. You're good. Go home. Oh, man, I feel like I did when I was 20 years old. Whatever it is. And Janet's eyes, just like that. I want you to think about that. Now, he did all that when he was here, right? They had to love him, right? They used him. They wanted to use him. And in the end, here's what they said. Crucify him, crucify him. All who live godly will be persecuted. But remember this. That's what they did to the prophets. But remember there in Matthew 5, and we'll end with this point. Our reward in heaven is great. And so we got to stay focused on the things which are not seen rather than things which are seen. We've got to remember to live in this world but not be of this world. We've got to be light in the midst of darkness. But here's what we've got to remember. All of us either needed or continue to need to be rescued. And we can't think so big of ourselves that we don't realize that. You've heard me, if you've listened to me much, you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to say it again. The only difference of me than all the people out in the world that are lost is I've been forgiven because I did what this said to gain forgiveness. If you're here today and you've studied the Bible and you believe Jesus Christ, Son of God, and you've not yet confessed that with your own mouth, you've not yet repented and quit living the life the way you want and started living the way of the life God wants, and you've not been immersed in a watery grave of baptism and have your sins washed away, you need to do that today. If you're a Christian and you need to confess sin and repent, do that today. If you need to study any of these things further, let us know. We can do that today. If we can assist you in any way, please come as we stand and sing. Decided to follow Jesus.